everyone, and welcome to Your Sales MBA, the podcast where Jeff Hoffman and CC Aparo answer your most challenging sales and management questions. Let's get started. As a rep, you want to get to the decision maker as quickly as possible. Most of the time, we don't want to waste our time with someone who won't have the final say. But how do we get to that person in power? Typically, calling a CEO as the first cold call doesn't get the job done. And sometimes reps can get tripped up or try to sneakily ask a prospect for access to the real boss. No wonder sales reps get a bad rep. Jeff and Cece reveal all you need to know about getting to power the right way. In this episode, we're covering how to ask questions assertively, not aggressively, as well as the best way to navigate through a company's org chart. Your Sales MBA starts now. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Your Sales MBA. This is Cece and Jeff, and we are here to answer all of your sales questions at every stage of the sales funnel. Jeff, Mm. this is a good one this week. Well, first of all, happy summer. Happy summer. How are you doing? Really good. I I love summer. I'm I'm ready to jump into this. We're doing a very early podcast recording, if you can hear it in our voices, because I plan on going to the beach when we're done. So (laughs) I'm liking this. I'm in a good mood. I'm going to have really just genius things to share with people. Genius. I'm feeling good. Beach genius, as Mm -hmm. we call it in my family. I love it. I love it. Jeff. Yeah. We've got to talk about something important today in the sales world, because this is something that every rep is thinking about. And it's all about how to get to power. Yes. So I'm going to jump into this email from our friend Josh in San Francisco. <laughs> and then we need to hit this one head on because this is this is an important one for anyone who wants to be successful in their career in sales. All right, you ready? I'm ready. Okay. It says, hi, Cece and Jeff. Our team loved the training last week. One of my reps got this response during his Why You, Why You Now phone call today. And I wanted to see how you suggest handling this objection going forward. Prospect, quote, I'll pass this along to our VP of branch operations. She would be the one interested. Sales rep, quote, what did you say her name was? Prospect, quote, I didn't. Dun, dun, dun. I mean, we've seen, I, I, I've seen so many people try this approach. <laughs> Take that, sales rep. Yeah, exactly. Can't. Exactly. I love it. So how do we handle this objection? And then how do we get to power moving forward? Because this yeah. approach isn't working. Well, that one wasn't. Although actually kind of was. I mean, the, it sounds like in the prospecting moment, had asked for a reference, got one, and got one even by title or role, said branch operations VP. So I don't know if the rep was unsuccessful there. The rep was clearly unsuccessful in the cute, passive-aggressive, half-close, what did you say his name was, knowing full well that the prospect had not offered <laughs> their name and was called out and frankly should have been. Shame on you, rep. That's just a very, very <laughs> soft question, and that's what you get when you deal with the big boys and girls in business and you use soft little closes. But we can talk about that you know, a little bit more. But, but ultimately, that challenge is real. And I think that kind of quick objection showcases some of the perils, but really the perils we, we have when we try to get to, to power. The first thing I always try to think about with getting to power is that you know, the idea of going up or going down, I don't know. I think it's exaggerated. Don't, don't push up a rope or you can't call too high or you get too bad a referral. I don't know. I always look at referrals, first of all, or getting to power because that's what you're trying to do, as a one-degree rule, meaning – you really can only play in the world of one degree away from someone. So if I wanted to get to someone you knew, CC, and I asked you for a reference to someone that was one degree away from you, that would be your direct reports, your boss, 
and maybe the typical kind of titles that are peers of yours in departments that overlap you. So if you're the VP of sales and I ask you for a reference, I can be assured that I can play in the world of your boss, which is either the president or COO or CEO. I can get your directors of sales because they work for you. And I can probably get you to give me a reference to maybe VP of marketing or VP of ops because my guess is you work with them constantly. I get into trouble when I start trying to go two degrees away. So I want to get you to get me to the CFO or I want you to get me to a sales manager or I want you to get me to the VP of product. Yeah, they are seemingly close to you, but they're not. They're two hops away, which means you don't know them very well. You know them. You know them to say hello to them. You know them to see them in meetings. You know them to be on CC on emails, but you don't have a daily working relationship with them. So when us, these little sales reps in the world, ask to ride the coattails of an executive to get access to another, you've got to play in the world they're already comfortable in because I don't know any executive that's going to make an introduction to a peer or colleague they barely know at work solely because a rep asked. I I just don't see that happening frequently. So the first challenge we want to do is let's play in the world that's one degree away. Second thing is worry less about their names and worry more about their roles. So the the real opportunity there was when the customer says, well, I'll pass this on to the VP of branch operations. I get the gut is to say, what was his name again? But in reality, what you want to say is, well, you know, I, I talk to a lot of folks with titles around running branch operations. I find that means different things at different companies. What exactly does branch operations mean at your company? And then what you're doing is you're asking the prospect to give you more data on the role, not the name, which is less intrusive and frankly, more educational. And I think it's going to help you get more information and probably also thaw some of the ice around that, uh, around that prospect. So what do you think, Cece? That's generally what I like to do, at least early. Yeah, I agree. And I think one of the things that you taught me really early on in sales, Jeff, in my career is to remember that our customers are smarter than us. So when we say something like, I'm sorry, what did you say her name was again? They see right through that as a transparent attempt to kind of get to the person of power. And it's really, it's not at all effective when we are calling into an org for just our first or second time. That's right. I think it's admirable for any rep to try techniques and particularly to share them in these kind of places. So thanks for the question. You're doing what a lot of reps do. Passive aggressiveness is such an easy way for someone to to really despise you. And and, and it's, I mean, think about it. It's so true. true. In every walk of life. Well, of course. And from a sales rep where they're already kind of looking at you like, what am I not going to like about you? When you come out of the gate with passive aggressiveness, you make it so easy for prospects to just completely discount you. So whatever I get, it's less about what to say and sometimes what to say when you, things get bumpy like that. I look at those things like turbulence or speed bumps. If the customer were to say to me, well, I didn't say, I never said what his name was. My reaction at that moment would have been to say nothing because although yeah. I got my head slapped, he didn't say, I'm not going to give you his name. And me keeping my mouth shut and letting it pause kind of puts it back on him. So yeah, I said something (laughs) stupid and I sounded obnoxious and he slapped it down, but moment is over and I still do need the guy's name. So, (laughs) you know, but if you stay there in silence afterwards and then it's silent for a little pregnant pause, you'll get some of your mojo back with every second of silence that you endure with him. And then when it finally breaks with him, like saying something like, he can either laugh it off and say, his name's Jason, or he can stay silent and then look ridiculous because he's making something big out of nothing. And then you can kind of get your mojo back. So passive aggressive voice, man, put it this way. If you have bad news, 
you shouldn't be smiling when you give it. So if you have bad news or something, or and bad news includes things like you're disappointed, like the customer said they were going to get a p- proposal back on Monday and it passed. Like if you're not happy, but you put on verbal or nonverbal cues like you kind of are when it's clear that you're not, that's the epitome of, of passive aggressiveness. And frankly, it's the epitome of lying. And I think it's ultimately what all customers are judging us on, our honesty. Once we violate honesty, we are, quote unquote, like every other rep they know. So I worked very hard to be the most honest person they've ever met. And it includes me not doing passive aggressive things. If I don't like something, I say it. So when the customer says, well, you want to, uh, I'll pass this on to the VP of branch operations. And if they're interested, they'll give you a call. And then I would say, well, I might want to beat him to that moment. What's the, what's his name? Cause then it forces them to say no to you if they don't want to give it to you. Well, like force the no, it's okay. And then because you forcing a no, the guy then says, well, I don't want to tell you his name. Knowing full, I can look it up on LinkedIn in 30 seconds. Makes him right. seem strange instead of you because you were just directly asking an obvious question. Hey, I'm going to give you to a, I'm going to give your information to a friend of mine. Oh, what's your friend's name? That's not exactly the weirdest question you could ask. So, but you took it in a weird route when you went to the passive voice. Absolutely. So let's talk about the opposite voice that we should be using. If we're not going to be passive aggressive, what should our tone be when we're in these moments and having these conversations? If you have something you want to say or ask, and it's really important to you. Then you make it the lead of the sentence, not the back of the sentence. So, Cece, what's your boss's name? Because I don't want to sound like an idiot when I call the EA, his EA and ask for a meeting. That's one way of saying it. That would be an assertive way. Here's how I say it passive aggressively. You know, I was, um, I'm was i going to reach out and see if I can't get a, a meeting with your boss. And I know that he has an EA. And I, don't, I want to make sure I know his name when I ask. And I call the, the EA. What is his name? That's me taking the same sentence and flipping it. I just made the conclude the, the big part, what's his name. If I put it at the end, then all the crap in front of it, I'm just building up to the obvious question. They're not stupid, so they know where I'm going. And it just sounds right. desperate and needy, like I need approval along the way. Where the first one like is, what's his name? And then if you want to explain yourself so you don't sound too direct or forceful, well, go ahead and explain yourself. But do it after. Because then what you're saying is, what I want, I'm going to say regardless of your reaction. Like your reaction is not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the answer. And if your reaction is you don't like it, I'll deal with it. But I do want to know this. That helps a lot with passive aggressiveness. If, and not just with sales, with life. If there's something you want, Absolutely. Yeah, whatever you are, whatever your state is, happy, sad, or anything in the middle, and that state is provoked in a good or bad way, just own it. Just say it. If you say it without a lot of pretense, people will listen to you. They might not agree with you, but they'll listen to you. Did you know that most cold emails have a response rate between 0.5 and 0.9%? That means in less than 1% of the time, your prospects are opening, reading, and replying to your messages. Messages that you probably spent a lot of time creating. Not ideal when you have a pipeline to fill and numbers to hit. But we at Hoffman are here to help. In just one day, you can learn the do's and don'ts when it comes to cold calling and emailing your prospects. With a proven track record of success and response rates over 20%, we're giving you everything you need to be successful. Our workshops range from prospecting and crafting the perfect email, to negotiating for what you want, delivering the perfect close, and running an effective pipeline review. In every workshop, you'll learn the skills needed to master these techniques and leave with the confidence to crush your quota. Send us an email at workshops at sellhoffman.com or visit our website to get more information and see what city we'll be in next. Happy selling, everyone.
All right, Jeff. So we figured out what to do in those weird moments where someone is dangling their boss in front of you and talked about how not to be passive aggressive, how to be assertive, how to live in silence. What's an appropriate answer for this? But let's go to the heart of this question, which is how do we get to power? Because it's so important in terms of us getting our deals to the finish line. We need to be at that level of power. So how do we get there? So there's so many different ways to get there, right? But some of the the general ideas when I'm navigating through an org is I really try to work ladders that are not my buyer's ladder. So if I'm selling technology for IT and I'm selling it to the farm industry, I'm probably going to be navigating through product or marketing or other kind or ops. Like I'm going to figure out a way to like navigate to a parallel vertical of the org, a different part of the team. Working my way, usually looking for what we call in sales triggers, looking for things going on in other departments that are impacted by decisions around what I sell. So for example, if I'm selling something to IT that's going to impact marketing, then I'm going to work the marketing ladder. Now, I'm not working the marketing ladder to sell yet. I'm not working to get meetings. I'm not working to get air cover so I know their business. I know that sounds good, but this is early. This is me trying to get to power like at the beginning of the cycle. I will work those trees standalone from IT, get to a title that I is the title I want in IT, and then do what I say in the beginning of the podcast. If I want to talk to the VP of infrastructure and I'm working marketing or product, I want to get to the VP level and ask for a reference to IT, knowing full well that the VP of marketing or the VP of ops only knows one VP in IT. It's like the general VP of IT. I'm going to get to a pretty strong power person, maybe not my buyer, but a strong power person because I go back to the one degree rule. I'm going to get a peer of theirs in a department they know. So imagine like lily pads in a pond. I am not working the lily pad of my buyer that my buyer is sitting on. I'm as close as I can get to it, but I'm not there. I get as high as I can in that lily pad. And then I hop over to the subsequent next door neighbor which is my VP of IT, and then I work my way down. Now, I know that sounds complicated. It really isn't, but it sounds like a lot of extra steps. Well, that is true. I am calling more people than the typical rep does when I prospect. Typical rep looks up the title, looks up the department they like, goes to the About Us section of the website, sees the highest ranking person in the department that would buy their services, goes to LinkedIn to see if that person has any familiarity with your product or company, and then makes a beeline to the VP of fill-in-the-blank buyer land. Well, guess what? If that person doesn't want to talk to you and the odds are they don't, then they're going to say, sorry, I'm all set or bad time or try me in six months or I have no budget or the other objections we hear, hear all the time. And then you've got to know from your buyer on square one. And now what are you going to do? You can't go around the buyer when you haven't engaged the buyer. It would be pointless. You're going to have to wait three months, six months, all because you were so geeked up that you couldn't help <laughs> calling your buyer on call one. I, I would ask everyone listening on this podcast to listen to this thought. Think about this. Think about any deal you've ever worked your whole life from start to finish, one you prospected to and closed, a real deal you did. Maybe it was a week and maybe it was a year, but think about that opportunity. Then ask yourself this question, the signature at the bottom of that contract when this deal was done, is that the same signature that belongs to the person that was my first conversation in this company? And I guarantee you the answer is no. So if that answer is no, that's telling you something. It's telling you that your first step in a new company will not be your last one. So why do we forget that truth when we prospect? I know I'm not going to start with my buyer, so why attempt to start with my buyer? Because all this buyer can do in the beginning is shut me out. 
So why don't I start on these other pathways? If the guy in marketing says no to me and I'm selling IT infrastructure software, tell do I care? It, I mean, there's a million people I could talk to. That's not my buyer. All I need is one of these one degree away VPs to say, oh, you want to talk to Tim? He's the IT guy. I don't know anything about IT. Talk to Tim. Well, guess what? Tim is the boss of the guy I wanted a month ago. So now when I go, hey, Tim, I got your name from Jerry. I got your name from Pamela. He says, oh, okay, what do you want? Well, I, 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 it's infrastructure. Okay, that's Tony. Thank you. Now, I've had Tony in my database for three months. But now I got a reference to Tony from the VP. Now I can call Tony. Now if Tony doesn't want to talk to me, it doesn't matter. He's going to take the call anyway because his boss told him to. So I like to spend less time researching you know, what I'm looking for when it comes to prospecting and more time working the branches of the tree so I can get back to the main, the main trunk. Long-winded answer, but that's, that, that's my thought. This is a total shift in how people approach their pipeline. And it's one that we've seen a lot of our clients use and it's transformative because now you're not going to that person and getting a no and feeling totally stuck at that account. You have so many different ways in and it opens up so many different doors and opportunities. Right. And you can, and you can let the research, you know, like all that research reps do, whether it's on social or other, I mean, research is great, and I prep my calls too, but I tend to prep and research against the payoff. If the payoff is a cold call, the best payoff I get is a referral. So I'm not going to do more than three minutes of research because that's all referrals work to me. But if I'm trying to close a deal, I might do hours of research at the procurement meeting because that's – if they say yes, they buy. So – but most reps invert that. Most reps do – way too much research to do a cold call. And then it's six months later and they're doing their big closing meeting. And I say, aren't you doing any prep? They go, oh, no, no, I know everybody. You know everybody at the end. So you feel like you shouldn't have to prep anything. It makes zero sense. It's like saying, I'm going to study the hardest this semester in calculus on day one. But when the final comes, I'm going to blow it off. That's exactly what it says. I mean, it's ridiculous. I'm all fired. I don't know. You know why? Because this podcast is the only thing between me and Sam between my toes. So I'm getting a little ornery. (laughs) He's feisty, people. And and let me tell you, all you listeners, I I haven't been asking for this, and I'm going to ask for it now. All right, we're doing this podcast. It's going great. You guys are sending in great questions. It's awesome because it makes us happy to do it. We're not charging for this. We're doing this for fun. We like sharing this, doing it for branding. This is what I need from you, listeners. Five-star rating on Google Play and on iTunes, wherever you're getting this. Those ratings matter. And if the ratings are good, we get higher on the list. If we get higher on the list, more people listen to the podcast. I will be doing this podcast for free forever as long as we grow our listeners. That's on me. But you guys getting this for free, it takes two seconds. Do a five-star review. CC and Jeff are the smartest people on the, on the planet. And so I have to write something like that. And just do it. It takes 10 seconds. And it's a, such a nice gesture. It totally helps us do this podcast. So please do that. I couldn't agree more. Jeff, you really just put it on out yeah. there. Well, I'm closing. Uh, close you close hard i like it i like it well thank you to our friend josh for submitting this question oh he's his name now he knows now we know with josh you said that passive aggressive thing uh, yeah, we josh. You, josh. No, it was someone on josh's team okay but like all right josh you're I'm asking for friends in air quotes asking yeah exactly asking for a friend thank you guys for listening Jeff, what's one thing everyone needs to go do right now that's going to impact their pipe? Say one. Say that one more time. What's the one thing that people need to go do right now yes, yes, yes. that's going to change the yes. course of their pipeline for summer 2019? Yes. I want you to call anyone in the first 20%. That's like the first two sales stages. 
I want you to call anyone that's in the first two stages of your pipeline that you have not had an exchange with in the last two weeks and say the following, FYI, I'm jumping into a very busy time with some of my biz- some of my prospects and customers, and I probably won't be available for you until next quarter. If you need any help from us in the interim, let me know, and I'll tell you a rep who can help you. Okay, it's wow. no, right. It's not really a breakup. No, I, you know, I've done this before. You guys know I hate breakup emails. I do. Breakup emails are soft and weak. I like this one, though. This is not really a breakup. It's like I'm busy – if you want to work, you can't even have access to me if you want it. You'd have to have access to someone else. And, and I would honor it. If I get an email saying, actually, we do want to talk, I do give it to another rep, which sounds insane. But you'll get the deal back. Don't worry. You'll get the deal back. But it showcases how busy you are, but does something else. It forces you to do what every gardener knows. If you want it to flower and blossom, you have to prune. And that's what you're doing. If you have early deals, I'm not talking about deals you're working on. I'm talking about like stage one and two deals. And it has no conversation for two weeks. I think it's back to stage zero. I think if you can't get momentum in the very beginning of a deal, don't bother. It's not happening. You can't force it. Go back later. You're not losing anything. You're just trimming some dead buds. That's all you're doing. And by doing so, your pipeline is going to go down 20%. Now, you're not losing anything because these are early deals that really aren't going anywhere, but it's going to force you to focus on the deals you are working on and fill up the pipe with new prospects. If you can't get lift out of a prospect early, you're not going to get it at all. And this is a way to force yourself to address your pipeline in a healthy way by pruning it. I'm going to take it one step further, Jeff. Find one other sales rep on your team, a peer of yours, and do this together. Go make all of the, go lock yourselves in a room, make those calls and promise to each other that you'll pass off those accounts to one another. And with the idea that you will get them back that way, there is no opportunity cost there. And also having someone else to do this with you just makes it that much more fun, that much more exciting and make it a little competition. How many people can you get to call you back? That's good. I like it. All right. Beach time. Are we done? We're done. Happy selling. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Your Sales MBA. Remember to send us your sales questions at podcast at sellhoffman.com, or you can even tweet us at Your Sales MBA Pod. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you can be the first ones to get Jeff and Cece's expert sales tips delivered right to your earbuds every week. Happy selling, everyone.